It's my Bible. It is the Word of God. And it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. Seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what his word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the word of God. My life has changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We're still in this series on the miracles of the New Testament. And we're in miracle number 26 this morning. By our reckoning, Jesus heals a man born blind by spitting in his eyes. He didn't really spit in his eyes, but that's the title. Jesus heals a man born blind by spitting in his eyes. And we're looking for patterns and principles in these miracles. Now, first, let's deal with a miracle. Then later on, if we have time, we'll deal with a controversy, the miracle. John 9, John 9, verse 1, and this miracle is only in John's gospel. And the reason I think it is only in John's gospel, John's gospel is full of this running controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees. When you go to the cemetery, I mean seminary, you know, the gospel of John typically is the least favorite gospel among academic types because they don't like this running controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees, but it was real. And that's how he got crucified. And John's gospel, for whatever reason, seemed like John felt like that was part of his assignment to record this running controversy. John 9, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, now, see, I preached on this countless times. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? What is it about us that we're always looking to blame someone? What is it about us that rather than looking for the solution, we're looking for the blame? Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I believe the King James says glory. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. That word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So once again, we see Jesus do an unusual thing in the process of a miracle. We saw this on July 2 in Miracle 23. Jesus heals a deaf and mute man found in Mark 7, 31 to 35. And we saw this last Sunday on July 16 in Miracle 25. Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. And we saw that in Mark 8, to 26. So here Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and told the man, put it on the man's eyes, and then told the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. In other words, as he so often did, and here's a principle, and, and this, is, this is the answer. This is the answer. 
Tell your neighbor, this is the answer. Jesus told the man to do something. It's amazing to me. Of course, I, I realize that, <laughs> you know, I'm a different generation, a previous generation. I, I realize, you know, somebody came to me about a few months back and they said, Pastor, the Lord's really adding a bunch of Hispanic people to Faith Christian Center. I said, yeah, I said, I see that. But I said, they have an advantage. He said, what's that? I said, they're not afraid of work. See, in my generation, and I know that's going back, but we didn't get offended when somebody told us we had to do something to be successful. But this generation out here, they just think that it's all going to fall on them like ripe cherries off a tree. That's why socialism and communism are gaining traction and popularity. Because everybody wants something for nothing. There's no something for nothing. If you want to understand God, look at the earth. Do, 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 do wheat crops just come up with no effort? Do corn crops just come up with no effort? Do, do uh, eggs just show up in your yard with no effort? A congresswoman actually said this past week, someone who got elected, testified, said, not testified, but said in Congress, why do we need all these farms and all these tractors and, and all of this consumption of fossil fuels on all of these farms when we have all this food in grocery stores? <laughs> she actually, actually said that. I mean, people today... They just don't see all the work that goes in behind the scenes. They think chicken comes from packages. Jesus, tell your neighbor, Jesus told the man to do something. Tell the neighbor on the other side, Jesus told the man to do something. Now let me see a show of hands of everybody here. And in your prayer time, you're asking the Lord for something. Let me see a show of hands, everybody here, and you're asking the Lord for something. Well, you know what the Lord's going to do in your life, in your situation? He's going to tell you to do something. Because we know that because that's the way he operated in the four Gospels. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now let me say how much I despise what preachers do when they blame God for the works of Satan. Look at the language of Jesus. Nor, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God, the glory of God might be displayed in his life. So his blindness was not the result of sin, although it could have been, since Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been infirm for 38 years, see you are well again, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
So on this occasion, Jesus said, it was neither this man who sinned nor his parents, but it could have been sin. But on this occasion, Jesus said, it was not the result of sin of his parents or sin of the man. Furthermore, if it had been the will of God for the man in John 9 to be blind, or if it had somehow glorified God for the man in John 9 to be blind, Jesus would have left him blind. Tell your neighbor, it's all right to come to church and think. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it's all right to come to church and think. If being blind had brought glory to God, Jesus would have left the man blind. Right? Because it's all about glorifying God. But that's what these preachers do to try and sell people on poverty, not enough, pain, sickness, infirmity. Is they say, well, we don't know. Maybe it's glorifying God. If anybody ever says to you, well, we don't know. Maybe it's glorifying God. Your answer is, well, we don't know. Maybe you're stupid. <laughs> How can being sick glorify God? What kind of God are you serving if you think being sick glorifies God? Amen. Am I glorified when Austin or Christina was ever sick? Am I glorified when one of my grandchildren is not feeling well? That's ridiculous. We're, we're, we're blaspheming God. But Jesus didn't leave the man blind. If being blind had glorified God, Jesus would have left the man blind, but Jesus didn't leave the man blind. I mean, really, it's not that complicated. It really isn't. Satan's evil. God is good. It's not that complicated. Jesus said, I gave you before the message, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and that they might have that life more abundantly. So if there's any stealing, any killing, any destroying going on in your life, that's not God. Amen. I said, that's not God. Amen. See, and this paralyzes God's people. If you see that it's not God, then you rise up and you go to war against it. But if you think it might be God, you're not going to rise up and go to war against that. Well, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe this is the will of God. No, it's not. The thief cometh not. Say that. Follow, follow after me. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have that life more abundantly. Yeah. I've always called it the dividing line of the Bible. Don't insult God by saying, Lord, I, I don't have any money. Is that your will? I got pain in my body. Is that your will? I got this problem in my body. Is that your will? Don't insult him. That's why God gave you a Bible. So you can read and, and understand the will of God. But see, that's the problem. The Lord's telling me, you know, to give you Romans 12 too. Uh, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How can I transform my life? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we're not in the word, we don't know the will of God. And then relatives, social media, and even preachers can confuse us and say, well, maybe that's the will of God. That's not the will of God. 
Verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So are you busy about the Lord's work? I said, are you busy about the Lord's work? If not, why would you expect God to answer your prayers or give you a miracle? I mean, if you're not busy about his business, why would you expect the Lord to be concerned about your business? Are you witnessing to people about the Lord? If not, why would you expect God to answer your prayers or give you a miracle? <laughs> we, we, get, we get so concerned about so many things. The Lord's concerned about people. And I'm, doing, I'm trying to do a better job. I get convicted on this because the, the, the most often I come across people that maybe don't know the Lord or workmen at the house. And I'm, I'm trying to discipline myself to say to myself, they're going to be somewhere in 100 years. Where are they going to be? They're either going to be in heaven or they're going to be in hell. And so what we've done is we've got copies of the prayer booklet and other things at home. And we've got the prayer booklet in Spanish. And so, you know, we have English, we have Spanish, and we're trying to do a better job. Sue and I are trying to do a better job to witness to people. I mean, not, not pound on them, but, you know, um, give them something. Look, I remember I, 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 was, uh, I was conflicted about this. Until one time, uh, we ran out of the Spanish versions and I gave a young man the English version because that's all I had. Then later in the day, it was an electrician. The, the head electrician texted me and said, uh, so-and-so is asking if he could come back by and swap out his English version for a Spanish version. I said, sure, give me, give me a day or two. And then we did that. But my point is, I was pleasantly surprised that somebody wanted the version that was easiest for them. They weren't saying, why'd that preacher give me this book? People are not opposed to free stuff. <laughs> Amen. And so I've discovered, that's, and that's one reason, you know, we make that available. I've discovered that if you put something in their hand, it's easier to talk to them. And then too, you don't know what'll happen later on when they're perhaps reading that. You don't know somebody in their household might read it and be born again. Are you telling it? If not, why would you expect God to answer your prayers or give you a miracle? Number one, if you're taking notes, you've heard this outline before because it's a principle and a pattern in the New Testament. Number one, Jesus said it. Number one, Jesus said it. Verse six, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So a guy spits on the ground, makes some mud, smears the mud in your eyes, then says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Are you kidding me? That, that's not only, that, only, that not only doesn't make sense, that's crazy. But I've learned in my pilgrimage to flow with crazy. So this picture right here You can come up after and look at it. You can barely see, how, see the amount because the picture's been blown up. But that was a check in, looks like August 29 of 98 for a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. 
That's monstrous. 1998, what is that? 25 years ago, this church. 25 years ago. It'd be interesting to, to go online and bring that up into 2023 dollars. That was crazy. I've learned, to, I've learned to flow with crazy. Hallelujah. A year or two later, I took Sue and showed her the place on the sidewalk in Mombasa where the Lord spoke to me. I said, there was a palm tree here then. I said, apparently it's died and they pulled it out, but that's where it was. It was right along here. The Lord spoke to me about putting the, the roof on that church in Mombasa. And if I remember right, I looked it up. I think, I think January 31, 1997, we had about $176,000 on hand. And the roof was going to be a half million dollars. That don't make no sense. But I've learned in my short pilgrimage on this planet to not walk by sense, but to walk by faith. Because if I walk by sense, I get natural results. If I walk by the computer, the spreadsheet, I get natural results. But I've learned, <laughs> I've learned to flow with crazy. Amen. And so he said to me, and I love the language of God, he was life coaching me. You know, people pay money for life coaching. If you pray, you get that for free. The Lord was life coaching me and he said, you don't think you can do it. But he said, I'm telling you, you can do it. And so we headed out. That was February of 97. Now, I think that check was August of 97, March, April, May, June, July. So it took six months, but we, we gathered up half of it. And I took it to him. And uh, all of this is a result of that. Amen. See, people, they, they, want to do, they want to operate by the mind. And then they want to pray for a miracle. It doesn't work like that. Now, it won't always be money. It won't always be money. You know, Dodie Osteen had to write, a letter, write letters and forgive people for the evil things they'd done against her and John. It's not always going to be money. It may be letting go of a grievance. I'm, I'm, I'm working on this too. I hold nothing against anyone. Forgive everybody everything. Amen. Amen. Because I want to be forgiven of everything. How many of you want to be forgiven of 90%? I said, how many of you want to be forgiven of 90%? No, you want to be forgiven of how much? 100%. So I'm, I'm trying to do a better job on that too. Now, that doesn't mean we got to keep hiring the same people, but it doesn't mean we have to be mad at them. Amen. Or hold a grudge. Or, or how about this? We don't have to go tell it. Let it go. Forgive. Amen. So many people spend their entire life sitting around waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for a miracle or a ship to come in or for someone else to do something for them to make their life better. But that's not faith. Tell your neighbor, that's not faith. Tell the neighbor on the other side, that's not faith. Faith Take, takes action now to change one's life for the better. Faith takes action now 
to change one's life for the better. So don't just sit there, do something. Amen. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say, when we act on God's word, our heavenly father will manifest his power just as he did in the days when Jesus walked the earth. Friends, we are not the servants of God like the believers in the Old Testament. We are the sons and the daughters of God. So we don't have to sit around and wait for some angel or anyone else to do something. We can do something ourselves now to precipitate our own miracle. I said we can do something ourselves now to precipitate our own miracle. And this is why we, we do our best to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, when Jeremiah and Julia Thomas were trying to buy that building they're in now in Rochester, New York, the Spirit of God told me to give them $50,000. I, I said to the people, we're going to help them with this, and I'm not sure how much came in, but we added to it, sent them $50,000. You know, when Kevin and Miriam Smith were here, I mean, it was amazing. I don't remember this ever happening. I get up on Sunday morning, I go out to pray, and the Lord said, give them $100,000. What? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, trying to believe God, because I'd like, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to, you know, not empty the treasuries of the church on, on stuff like that, you know. So I was, I was believing God, we'd have a great big offering that Sunday. Kevin and Miriam Smith were here, and I don't remember how much came in, but I think, I think more than half of what we gave them came from the treasuries of the church. But you know what? We need, a, we need a miracle on phase two because they printed so much money. I thought we could build phase two for about what this cost, but it looks like it's going to cost maybe, maybe not quite twice. So, you know, we need, we need money. And I, I'm not going to go work the second, diff, second shift at Winn-Dixie and try and do it. Amen. So I'm going to believe it in. I said, I'm going to believe it in. Amen. Amen. So we have to sow seed. Now listen, if you'd stop supporting your brother-in-law who is never going to change and start following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you'd get some traction. Because we do a lot of stuff and we think we're giving. Giving is when we follow what the Bible says and giving is when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Anything you do above and beyond that, that's just your bright idea. And that's fine. You know, I have some bright ideas. But uh, I can't count that as, in other words, I can't look to the Lord for a 30, 60, 100 fold return on that. It, it may be generosity on my part, but I, I don't know about you, but to do what's in my heart to do, man, I need some, I need some return. Anybody need some return? Amen. So we can do something ourselves now to precipitate our own miracle. So Jesus said it, number two, the man did it. The blind man did it. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Say it out loud. The man went and washed and came home seeing. So your actions defeat you or your actions put you over. According to your action, you will receive. And by your inaction, you are kept from receiving. I'm going to say that again. 
because this is a bomb of a truth that so many do not understand. Your actions defeat you or your actions put you over. According to your action, you will receive, and by your inaction, you are kept from receiving. So Jesus said it, and the blind man did it. And like the widow woman in 1 Kings 17, 15, this man went and did what Jesus told him to do. Winting and didding is how God knows we believe. 1 Kings 17, 10, so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That was her vision for her life. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first. Everybody say, but first. But first. Say, but first five times. I've discovered that if I'll put the things of God first, everything else just seems to happen. It's almost like Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Now the Lord's leading me to stop to say something here. A couple of weeks back, we talked about Jehoshaphat having confidence in the prophets. That woman on that day had no evidence that what Elijah was saying was God. But she took the word of the prophet of God at face value and believed what he said sufficiently to take action on what he said. The jar... For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was <clears throat> food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now we've got a Christian network and they got all these prophetesses on there, and they're prophesying all this stuff, and none of it comes to pass. You'd think they'd stop. Amen. But there's no critical thinking. <laughs> and what they don't realize is when they do that, they're lessening the people of God's ability to discern and ascertain a man of God a woman of God who knows what they're talking about. Elijah said it, and the widow woman of 1 Kings 17 went and did it. Likewise, this blind man went and did what Jesus told him to do. So Jesus said it, the blind man did it, and number three, the blind man received it. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and washed in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home, saying, so Jesus said it, 
the blind man did it, and the blind man received it. See, this is a pattern. Tell your neighbor, this is a pattern. You see this in the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said it. The woman did it. The woman received it. Then the woman told it. It's all over the New Testament. Actually, it's all over the Old Testament. Actually, it's how David killed Goliath. It's everywhere. A medical doctor friend of ours, I had a text conversation with her about some of the things going on in our culture. And I was not trained in psychology. I had one semester. It's probably all I ever needed. But she used this term, cognitive dissonance. And this is fascinating to me because cognitive dissonance is when a person is so committed to an idea or a way of thinking that they dismiss all contrary evidence. You see it going on right now in the society out here. Why is crime so high when a certain political party is in charge of a city? Why do people keep voting for? Nobody likes crime. So why do keep pe people keep voting for the exact party that causes crime to rise? Cognitive dissonance. They're so committed in their thinking to something, they cannot deal with the facts, the evidence. And this has happened on COVID and, of course, all the resulting cultish behavior. This has happened on uh, political personalities, cognitive dissonance. And I don't know why the Lord's leading me the way he's leading me right now in this message, but there are people sitting here and watching online, and this is what has happened to you on money. Because you have been so committed in your thinking one way, you dismiss all contrary evidence, even from the Bible, and you dismiss testimonies, and you dismiss all the stories we tell in our sermons and we sprinkle in the messages because you're committed to your thinking. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith sets everything else aside. Faith believes God. Faith believes God's word. Now, it would have been harder on that day. Picture yourself, you were born blind, you've never seen. Of course, I guess there's an advantage. You wouldn't have known how Jesus made the mud patties, would you, if you were born blind? But he, he spits, he makes some mud patties, and he smears it on your eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. It would take faith in him to do that. Faith. And so, here's some more cognitive dissonance. Well, if I'd lived back then, 
Look, you have to deal with the reality of what you got. And you know what the reality of what you got is? The Bible. And we know from John 1 that Jesus is the Word and the Word is Jesus. So when you reject what is in that Bible for your opinion or what mama said or whatever it is, you're walking in unbelief. I actually had a man tell me one time, my wife says I don't have to tithe. I said, it doesn't matter to me whether you tithe or not. And then that offends people. You should be emotionally invested in whether or not I give or not. It doesn't make me a hill of beans difference because I have discovered coming up in January, it will be 40 years since Sue and I pioneered Faith Christian Center. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that if I do right, if I talk right, if I walk in faith, it doesn't matter what Tom, Dick, or Harry does, God gets me the money to keep going. And, and if God's got to make somebody over here a multimillionaire to make up for 20 people, you know, not, not doing the word, God will do it. Because he can't work through the unwilling. I said he can't work through the unwilling. But there are people here this morning, let's set money aside. There are people here this morning and the Lord told you to ask somebody's forgiveness and you haven't done it. There are people here this morning and the Lord told you to forgive somebody and you haven't done it. Listen, <laughs> this puts people in the grave. Paul said that just receiving from the Lord's table communion with a bad attitude could make people sick or kill them. So when the Holy Spirit comes along and he says, let that go, forgive them, let go of that, give this money, he's not telling us this stuff for his good. He's telling us this stuff for our good. Number four, the man who had been blind told it, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. So Jesus said it, the blind man did it, the blind man received it, and then the man who had been blind then told it. And then there's this controversy. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said no, he only looks like the man, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. Maybe this is why God does what he does because it's so outrageous. People that are hardwired to negativity will never believe it. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought him to, they brought, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now, if this man had been born blind, how much difference would it have made to the man if Jesus had waited a day and healed him on Sunday? Talk to me. If, if, if this man had been born blind, how much difference would it have made to this man if Jesus had waited one day until Sunday to heal him? Talk to me. None. So why did Jesus heal him on the Sabbath? To pick a fight. 
Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. The man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this is not a man from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, now listen, these same people had all kinds of rules and regulations. If, if a sheep wandered off, they were allowed to go look for that sheep. So think about it. In their thinking, now not, we're not talking about Moses. We're talking about what evolved, all those rules, regulations evolved out of Moses. They were saying that a sheep was more important than a human being. And also, I brought this up in a previous message. When Jesus did this stuff on a Saturday, he wasn't just picking a fight, which he was, but he was also declaring to the religious leaders that healing is not a physical activity. Hear me now. He was declaring that healing by God is not a physical activity. Healing by God is a spiritual activity. He never told anybody to take an aspirin. I mean, that wasn't invented until the 1930s, but you understand, he never gave anybody a herbal remedy. All the healing Jesus did was spiritual. But others ask, how can a sinner... Let me back up. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Now listen, keep your mouth off things. You may have an opinion, but it's better to, to not judge and keep your mouth off stuff. I like to think that if I'd been there back then in those days and been religious, which is hard to imagine because I've never been religious, that I would have at least had the sense to say that if this man could open the blind eyes and open deaf ears and make the lame walk, he has got to be at a minimum. He has got to be at a minimum an Elijah or Elisha level prophet. So leave him alone and keep your mouth off him. But he could be more. But see, they were motivated by jealousy because they couldn't open blind eyes. Finally, they turned again to the man, what, it, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. So at least the blind man got it. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blinded and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Now, this is what happens on social media when people post about miracles. I don't know that that's really so smart. I think the best thing to do is let testimonies of miracles spread word of mouth because these people online are like wolves. They move in packs. And when one of them gets on something, a bunch of them are on it. Is this your son, they ask? Is this the one you say was born blind? I mean, what a stupid question. How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind, but how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. 
That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. I mean, think about how much time and effort they put in to try and throwing shade on Jesus Verse, I mean, what if, they, what if they were doing, you know, how about studying? How about praying? How about laying hands on people? How about, how about trying to help people rather than investigate a miracle? A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know one thing. I know I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's telling it. He's not just telling it, he's strapping it on them. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. <laughs> how, dare, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I don't want to show of hands, but I imagine we got people here this morning and they threw you out. Hallelujah. So we don't want to be religious. And we don't, we don't want to be followers of rules. We want to be doers of the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to hear him and to do what he says. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. We've talked about prosperity. We've talked about money. We've talked about healing. But that's not where faith begins. Faith begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life personally and individually. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said in John chapter, he said in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I, I, I've never made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. I've never asked God to forgive me in the name of Jesus. I've been in church, I've been around church, but I've never made a personal decision to give my life and my heart to Jesus. That's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know this God you've spoken about this morning. And I want to give my heart to his son, Jesus. You may be here this morning and, and maybe you're away from the Lord. You know, just because we get saved doesn't mean Satan stops working. And so he works through old friends, old acquaintances, old habits, old lifestyles to pull us back. But the word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should. Pray for me. I want to recommit my life to God, and I want to live for him from this day to my last day. That's you this morning, wherever you are. Lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. It is an incorruptible seed. It has gone forth into the hearts of the hearers. It will not return to you empty or void, but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you've sent it. And for this, we give you our praise. And everyone in agreement said amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Say it out loud. If there's any stealing, killing, or destroying going on in my life, it is not God. It is the devil. And my job is to rise up and fight him off. Jesus came that I might have life and have that life more abundantly. Praise his holy name.